Hello again, welcome to another episode of the Uranium Market Minute. Today is Monday, September 26th, and this is episode number 189. My name is Justin Hewn. I'm your host. I'm the founder and publisher of the Uranium Insider Pro newsletter, the only investing newsletter that focuses solely on uranium, finds the best risk-reward investing opportunities in the space, and publishes on a regular monthly basis. As always, nothing that you see or hear in this podcast is intended to be investing advice. I'm not your financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Please always do your own due diligence when it comes to investing and always take responsibility for your own choices. All right. Thank you so much uh, for joining me again. Good to see you guys uh, coming back from the weekend. Definitely in a uh, pretty significant risk off vibe across the markets after a really rough day on Friday for everything uh, commodities related with the skyrocketing dollar. That trend is continuing. We're seeing uh, collapses in foreign currencies in the British pound. Uh, the Canadian dollar had a really rough day. The Aussie dollar had a rough day. Uh, the Japanese yen uh, had, struggling against a soaring dollar. And this is, you know, in reaction to persistent rising rates, definitely shaking up markets. And uh, we actually did not do too terribly today. We'll look at the charts in just a moment. But certainly, there is plenty of palpable fear across markets. And I think that we aren't too far away from a turning point, um, in my opinion. And I will show you that in the charts in just a second. I'm going to talk about SMRs in the mailbag section today because I think that there's some very interesting uh, developments on that front. And we are very, very bullish on that space in general. Uh, before we do that, let's go ahead and jump right into the daily scoreboard here. Spot price uranium coming in at $49 a pound mid-market, essentially un unchanged from Friday. Spot, of course, did not issue any new units as they're still trading at a pretty severe discount to NAV, did not buy any more uranium. Not a whole lot of cash, $17.7 sitting in their treasury. They closed on Friday, just under a 13% discount to NAV, historically pretty darn wide as far as a discount to their net asset value goes. If you're new to this channel or new to this sector, the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust only issues shares into the market when they're north of a 1% premium to their net asset value. So when they're trading at a premium to the value of the uranium they hold essentially, that way, because they charge, uh, they have a 1% fee on uranium purchases. So in order to raise cash by issuing shares in the market and, have, and having doing so being accretive to existing shareholders, they trade at a 1% premium to their closing nav of the previous day. Now, this rule does not seem to be set in stone. There's definitely some fuzzy math. There's been days where uh, it was pretty clear that they were trading at, at less than that premium to have, and they did raise a little bit of cash. So, uh, but this is this is essentially what they're telling us and and what we've noticed as we've been watching this vehicle day over day for uh, for the last year or so. Um, then they use that cash by issuing shares to buy uranium from the spot market, and they only buy U308. The vehicle that they took over, Uranium Participation Corporation, they took that over in, I believe it was July of last year. Their ATM launched on August 17th of last year. UPC used to buy UF6 and U308. Um, so Sput sold whatever U UF6 they had to swap for U308, and they only buy U308 at this point now. And it doesn't take a whole lot of purchasing from Sput or anyone else for that matter to move the price pretty significantly in a relatively tight spot market. Looking at the ETF flows, URA nor URNM reported any changes in outstanding shares. Now, uh, I, we do have a lag time on this, right? So the, the lag time for reporting these changes in outstanding shares coming from these two main ETFs typically lags two to three days. So I'm sure there was some ETF 
uh, there were some redemptions that happened on Friday and some selling from the ETFs. And I think that will be reported tomorrow. Today had that feeling as well, although the volumes were much, much less than Friday. So perhaps not as many uh, shares redeemed by either entity. But we'll see in the next couple of days how that looks in terms of outstanding share counts for the ETFs. Like I mentioned, Friday was pretty much a bloodbath across uh, uh, uranium, oil, precious metals, and pretty much anything commodities related had a really rough day on Friday with that dollar just absolutely up on stilts. Today was not as bad. On that note, let's take a look at the charts. Starting off with URA, down 1.35% on the day, slightly worse than the S&P. Um, I pointed these green arrows here I'm showing. I shared this last week as well. Anytime that we've been at this level or lower in the RSI over the past two years, uh, this arrow points to where we were at with the price of the actual uh, of the of the ETF itself. So I think we're close to a bottom here, at least a, a intra cycle bottom. So this, you know, long term, I think we're looking at a, a long term bull market here and the long term trend still is generally up, although this has been quite the consolidation over the past year um, and with all of that said, looking at uh, looking at the RSI on the daily, when we've been at this level or lower over the past year, it's been a buying opportunity. Now, it's not saying we can't go lower. I wouldn't be surprised if we see potentially a retest of the summer lows if markets continue in this risk-off fashion. That is certainly possible. And if we did see that, we would see the RSI get into super oversold territory. In my opinion, that would be an ultimate buy-the-dip opportunity because I believe that this moment in time that we're seeing right now that is hurting commodities has to do with this dollar that's on stilts. And I think when the Fed pivots and softens the rate hikes and the rate hiking regime, which they're going to have to do, they're just not going to be able to successfully bring inflation down to their target levels. And they're going to have to give in because it's crushing the currencies of allies of the United States. That's my opinion. It's not saying it happens tomorrow. But I am saying that uh, plenty of Fed speakers are going to be speaking this week. I wouldn't be surprised if we start to hear a bit of dovish tone coming out of the Fed and perhaps uh, this rate hike uh, uh, pace will slow down and eventually stop and eventually actually pivot to lowering rates. I do believe that is what is coming. I do believe that is what it will be the trigger for the dollar to roll over and the commodities to run. And the bloodbath that we're seeing in the meantime, in my opinion, is an unbelievable opportunity for anyone wanting to be long uranium, long commodities for the coming years. I think it's going to be a multi-year trade. Looking at URNM, AKA a basket of uranium miners, this is the Sprott Uranium Miners ETF, compared to the actual commodity. Pretty big down day on Friday, uh, down slightly today, not terrible, but another few days of severe risk off, if that comes to it, we will be back down very close to valuations relative to the commodity that we saw at the beginning of the bull market back here in December of 2020. Cameco barely down on the day, although it did sell off substantially from the highs of the day. Uh, volume, nothing really to write home about. I'm not nothing volume, just about average volume on the day. Still closing above that rising 200-day moving average, by far the strongest stock in the space. Well above this lower trend line. Further risk off if we do lose that 200-day and we go all the way back down to this trend line. That, again, in my opinion, would be a load the boat scenario because what's coming for the commodity is coming for the commodity, as I've stated ad nauseum in this podcast. Looking at URA relative to the S&P, 
uh, uh, down ever so slightly today. The S&P was relatively weak. And typically, uh, you know, like we saw on Friday with the dollar soaring and the S&P down, uh, what was it down? Maybe 2% on the day. We were down 6, 7, 8% across the space. So hanging in there, hovering just above this lower trend line that we have made undercut lows over the summer. Um, anywhere near this trend line, historically speaking, has been a fantastic opportunity to buy at least for a short-term recovery rally. In my opinion, we are going to remain between this upper downtrend line that's been resistance over these past two rallies over this past year and this lower trend line until we see that Fed pivot. Then I believe we will launch past this and it will be a, a glorious and high volume move. Looking at the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust actually trading up on the day, closing that discount to NAV slightly with uranium essentially flat. Um, probably now we're sitting about 11, 11 and percent discount to NAV. Where's the volume taking up a little bit today, definitely higher volume on Friday, but still not breakout volume by any means. And this is not going to break out until we see, um, major risk coming back on into this sector. And that is going to come either when we have risk on generally speaking again, and that could be some time before we get there, or we have the spot price making significant moves to the upside that's not coming from spot. And I think that that is entirely possible, uh, actually plausible going forward into what is typically a strong season for uranium or another catalyst that comes to the uranium space that moves equities that's apart from the markets, generally speaking. That is entirely possible. And that I believe is something that we could see uh, relatively quickly here. All right, going to the mailbag section. So somebody um, sent me a link this morning uh, about this news coming from Microsoft. And there's been a couple pieces of news, but this more recent news um, I picked up this morning from uh, actually Art Hyde retweeting that. And then somebody had a question about the previous news from Microsoft from a couple of weeks back. So this is really interesting. Has to do with the SMR space. And again, if you're new to this channel or new to uranium investing, SMR stands for small modular reactor. And it's it's a very exciting sector of the, of the nuclear industry. Um, it's something that, there's a lot of private companies, um, a couple of public companies. There's GE Hitachi, Rolls-Royce, um, uh, NewScale. These are all publicly traded companies that are working on SMRs. And essentially what these are, are these are these are reactors that are much smaller than the typical reactor. So the typical reactor is somewhere around one gigawatt or a thousand megawatts. Um, there's certainly plenty that are a couple, couple hundred megawatts lower than that, smaller than that, definitely some that are larger. Um, but generally speaking, they're right around that range. These are very large facilities, produce a lot of energy for very long-lived uh, long assets. Um, and so this new development, these advanced reactors, these small modular reactors, have uh, some interesting new engineering designs. Um, some of them are just like new scales reactor is, a, is actually a, a light water reactor that's very similar in design to the large scale reactors, but smaller with some unique safety filter uh, features built into that design, but there's a number of new designs that are that are entirely different than we've seen from uh, from large scale reactors that are currently operating around the world. But these are generally speaking much much smaller. I mean, down to one or two megawatts, up to you know three or four hundred megawatts. Um, and the big use case for these is that they can be uh, not only factory built and then assembled on site. So they can kind of be built in fleet mode, right? They can pump out one after the other, after the other, ship to the location where they'd be implemented into a grid and assembled on site, streamlining the construction costs for these, 
for these uh, designs, for these SMRs. Um, and one of the biggest use cases for these proposed use cases is to replace existing and uh, previously decommissioned coal power plants because you already have an electricity grid in place. And this uh, coal is obviously at the top of the list in terms of power generation that is looking to be phased out by anyone concerned about environmental degradation, climate change, et cetera. So that's kind of what this Microsoft news has to do with right now. And that is essentially what um, what Microsoft is looking at is, uh, is investing in this space in order to streamline and accelerate the pace in which SMRs can replace coal plants. Okay, so we're really bullish on this space. This is very exciting stuff. The, the DOE recently released a report. So this is not a Microsoft related, but this is kind of um, in line with these other two stories relating to Microsoft. Okay, so a few weeks back, um, I believe this was actually last month, the Department of Energy in the United States released a report suggesting over 300 retired and operating coal-fired power plants in the U.S. could be retrofitted with uh, smaller than one gigawatt SMRs. So the DOE did a study of all of the existing operating and recently decommissioned coal plants and found that 80% of them were viable um, in locations or in, in uh, attached to grids that could that could justify the implementation of an SMR to replace that coal plant. That is actually the first proposed SMR is going into a former coal plant site in Wyoming. That is the plan that is, um, that's the natrium reactor coming from TerraPower, um, which is Bill Gates' uh, co-founded company. And of course, uh, Bill Gates being the founder of Microsoft. So he's definitely highly involved in this space, right? So the DOE, so this, the important point of this is, uh, this is a federal government entity, okay? This is not actually a, a company um, based in this space that's advocating for this use case. This is actually the, uh, the Department of Energy for the federal government of the United States going out and assessing all of the existing coal plants in the states, uh, including those that have already been shut down and saying, hey, we should be doing this. Um, Sec Secretary Granholm, uh, the Secretary of Energy, uh, stated the same. They, the, she wants to expand nuclear in the United States. We have not heard language like this um, for a very, very long time coming from the U.S. Okay, so that's that was that came out uh, a few weeks ago. That piece of news. Then uh, let's see. This was about two weeks ago. Microsoft and TerraPraxis. So TerraPraxis is a nonprofit that's focused on on uh, climate change solutions, essentially. They established a goal of developing software to aid in analyzing the existing global coal fleet of 2,600 plants to determine the best avenue to retrofit the plants with nuclear. So uh, Microsoft and TerraPraxis, basically, they're wanting to develop this software so that they can assess all of the operating coal plants and decommissioned coal plants in the world currently and, and streamline this process of analyzing these plants to find out which of these is viable to be replaced with SMRs. Big deal. Additional evidence service regarding Microsoft's commitment to the nuclear sector following the above-mentioned TerraPraxis partnership when they made another announcement days ago of their intention to partner with Ontario Power Generation by purchasing clean power energy credits from OPG's nuclear power assets. This is part of Microsoft's goal to power all of its data centers around the clock globally with carbon-free energy. So uh, clean energy credits, uh, Microsoft will be purchasing those from OPG. Now, Ontario Power announced that they would be they would be selling clean energy credits. I believe this was last year. 
And uh, this is another big move that nuclear can actually be um, viable for these clean energy credits. So Microsoft is definitely um, dipping their hands into this uh, into this sector, and this is uh, further news towards the development of SMRs going forward. I think this has uh, SMRs, generally speaking, has the potential have the potential to be a huge shakeup in this industry. Um, it's it's possible that the SMRs that are going to be developed towards the later part of the decade could end up being the buyers on the margin. And as we know, as we're seeing right now in the markets it's the buyers and sellers on the margin that really move the market. So today we saw low volume selling, um, but there's still, they were the, they were the sellers on the margin that moved our stocks down a little bit today. The buyers are not there. So, uh, you know, the buyers on the margin for the uranium market right now, the buyer on the margin tends to be spot in the spot market, right? Because there's not a lot of action happening in the market. And uh, when Sput comes in to buy 500,000 pounds or million pounds, we'll see the spot price, price jump up by a couple couple dollars in one fell swoop. And this is certainly um, certainly has the potential to really shake up uh, the sector. And so if you have construction permits issued for an SMR for, let's say, 2026, 2027, you better believe that the entities that are going to be operating the SMR will be going into the market for their fuel um, years before they need that fuel because of you know the 18-month to 24-month fuel cycle, especially with some of these SMRs that will be requiring higher enriched uranium. That requires uh, more feed on the front end, more UF6, more U3 weight to, to feed that conversion process for that UF6, which is the feedstock for the enrichment. So if you're enriching the material up to, let's say, 15 to 19% uh, enriched U U235 or HALU, high assay, low enriched uranium, you need more feedstock on the front end to, to achieve that higher level of enrichment. So super bullish on SMRs. Um, going forward, this is a very, very exciting space and we are watching it very closely. All right. Hope you all are hanging in there. It's definitely been a volatile last couple of weeks. It's been a volatile year, honestly. Um, we've had countless um, <laughs> countless, uh, heavy down days. We've had a number of strong rallies and, you know, the emotional swings are pretty intense in this sector. And I know for anybody that's not used to it, that's, that's new to this sector, you know, it's, this is just how it is. It's extremely volatile. It's a small sector. Um, when money comes in, it can really move things, uh, uh very, very rapidly to the upside. And, you know, the same thing goes for the downside. So, um, hang in there. I know that's been tough. And right now there's a lot of fear. You can feel it. You can feel it. You can just look at the comments of this video uh, and you'll, you'll get an idea. Look at the comments to some, any, any type of bullish tweet about anything uranium and nuclear right now, just look at the comments. And historically that's been um, a pretty good signal of being near a bottom. Every time we've seen that it's been pretty close to a bottom. So it's going to continue to swing. And uh, what, what we've been stating to members essentially is, there's always a chance that we'll get a flush uh, with these risk-off markets right now because of what's happening on the macro. Just the global broad market macros, uh, you know, the correlation goes to one for just about everything on days and weeks like we've had over the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, but if you believe in the fundamentals going forward, you can see that as an opportunity. If you're already long and you're patient, there's not really much to do here other than ride it out. So hang in there. Um, if you are deploying cash, uh, as I have been, I think that this moment in time will be looked back like a March 2020, not because I believe that we're going to crash significantly further. I don't necessarily believe that. Is there further downside ahead? That's entirely possible. 
How much will it be correlated to it? I don't know. I think that really depends on the dollar and it depends on how steep that move down is. Um, but besides that, we I think we were getting close uh, looking at the charts in terms of being oversold. We're, we're getting to pretty extreme levels of oversold here. So going forward, the future looks extremely bright for nuclear, for uranium. Um, we're definitely um, on board for that ride. All right, take care. I will see you guys again tomorrow. Cheers.